back to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and a soul healer. I'm joined today with Jacqueline Fortini Lang. Jacqueline is an American women's rights lawyer and French women's rights advocate. She holds both U.S. in California and French law degrees. Currently, she is working on an amicus brief in support of a sexual harassment case in its cert stage before the U.S. Supreme Court. Previously, she worked on sexual violence as genocide for the prosecutor and chambers at the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. She also successfully obtained asylum for a group of Afghan breakdancers targeted by the Taliban for their inclusion of women. Ms. Fortini Lang has worked on cases against Uber for their failure to install proper safety measures to protect women passengers from sexual assault. She has also represented numerous asylum seekers who are domestic violence victims in the U.S. immigration courts, including fighting against the temporary overturning of this protection by former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Jacqueline, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Great to be here. It's never a comparison among women, but Mm -hmm. reading what you're doing is just is so groundbreaking and game changing and to live a day in your life. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. You're too kind. When doing such amazing, serious work, how does it not, and maybe it does, but it, does it just bog you down sometimes where like, it's hard to find joy? It can, depending on the atmosphere. When I was working at the Yugoslav tribunal, sometimes I would have to prepare victims from concentration camps. And that was really hard. And the court actually had a psychiatrist on staff for the staff of the court. So that was really difficult. It's also the reason that I don't do children's cases. I just can't handle it. But yeah, it can bog you down for sure. You try to rely on the successes that you do get. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like you're still human and you're doing this incredible humanities work. But I can imagine that things that you've seen, you can't unsee. So definitely. Well, to bring some levity like we did the first time we met (laughs) on LinkedIn, I believe I referred to something as a twat waffle or someone as a twat waffle. And you you quite enjoyed that. (laughs) I did. I did. People are kind of um, buttoned up on LinkedIn, which a lot of the time I appreciate because, of course, you still get trolls on LinkedIn and they're a little bit nicer on LinkedIn. They all say some of the things, you know, I tried Instagram for a while professionally and it just... I couldn't handle it. People were kind of mean, but in LinkedIn, they'll kind of hold back even if they disagree with you, which I can appreciate. Wow. I've not seen that. That's great. I'm glad to hear that you have that. <laughs> you know, and I, I try to I try to put out as much content to help people self-select. If you don't vibe with me, don't follow me. I think I, I say a lot of divisive stuff, you know, mm. where I'm criticizing someone or out, not outing. I mean, the news, I was already outed them, but it's divisive. Right. So what moves are you excited to be making right now, Jacqueline? I'm not terribly excited about it because it sucks, but I'm studying for the Illinois bar exam. So that's been kind of a pain Uh, because, you you know, you have to study. Well, well, maybe you don't know. Anyways, you have to study eight hours a day for two and a half months. And Mm -hmm. it's just boring. But I'm excited about it because it means ultimately that I can open up my firm in Chicago. Um, Yeah, for women's rights work. So. I'm excited to pass the bar, and then in a couple of years, I'll take the Paris bar and open up a, a sister law firm in Paris. I'm really excited about that stuff. Right now, I'm really just trying to keep my nose to the grindstone and get through the bar exam. Wow. Will you have a practice in California as well? I don't think so. I'm from Chicago, so my parents are there, and Paris, EU law is just light years ahead of 
U.S. law. And so I really want to keep involved in the EU and be inspired by it and be able to make leaps and bounds where I'm making baby steps in the U.S. on a broader policy level. You know, in Chicago, I'll be helping individual cases, but the victories are far and few between these days there. Mm. So I, de I definitely want to keep that in the EU, but it's less of a personal thing. The Chicago thing is personal. Talk about feeling bogged down. It depends on the day, you know, and I, I'm an uplifting empowerment life coach and my intersectional feminism, I get pretty ragey about things that unfold, especially over the past few years. And I also know there's just the more we, we as human rights, women rights activists, whomever you're talking about, the more that we thrive, the more the people that are tightening screws get uncomfortable and they'll tighten them even harder, which fuels us even more. So I don't know, it's, but I think that we'd be doing this work without all of the wild things that are happening or unfolding. So I think so. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there about how is it Gen Z that's in high school now, high school and early college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Gen Z is more anti-feminist than the boys are more anti-feminist than uh, baby boomer men. And I think it's because we're, we're reaching this pinnacle of women's rights and we're really making people uncomfortable. But at some point that dam is going to break and there's nothing they can do about it. It's going to happen. There's no way seven countries in the world, one being the U.S., doesn't have federal paid leave. It, it just it's not sustainable. You know, at some point, at some point, that dam is going to break and there's going to be more equality and there's nothing they can do about it. And it's scary to have the status quo changed. It's scary for the people who benefit from the status quo. Yeah, too much change too fast makes anyone uncomfortable. And it's like, I also don't want to be responsible for making them feel comfortable. It's like, but I'm also like either get on board or get out of the way. Mm. And when you fall away, I'm not responsible for what that looks like. Yeah, I agree. I hadn't heard that about Gen Z males. Mm -hmm. That's why Andrew Tate is so popular. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, Reclaiming masculinity, which is more toxic masculinity, not divine masculine is needed for the balance that we're creating and ushering in the divine feminine. The toxic masculinity is what needs to be checked and leave. Definitely. And I think a lot of feminists get too anti-male and that's not helping anybody. Yeah. It's not helping anybody at all. And I, I find that's where I'm, I'm different than a lot of the women's rights lawyers I see or the women's rights professionals I see where I'm constantly harping on, you don't need to make an enemy of men. You don't need to make an enemy of trans people in order to get equality. Quality is quality. If you need to put down a marginalized group in order to raise up your marginalized group, you're not a trailblazer. You're just another bigot. Right. I, I completely agree. That's why I'm always talking about the balance because in some of its semantics and narrative and things like that, if, if someone, mm -hmm. when I, I'm a divine feminine catalyst, and if someone reads that and gets threatened because they're inferring that I'm not wanting the masculine, like that's not true. And let's talk about that. You know, like I'm talking about the balance and it's always making a safe space or it's making a space for both. And, but I also don't have any patience when you're going to come with like fully 
bigoted or misogynist or, or racist, any, any of the extremes, if you come to me with those, we're, we're not going to vibe. Yeah, no. And I think, I think both sides of any social movement can suffer from extremism, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I agree. Absolutely. That's what we're fighting against on both fronts. Yes. I'm in the one-to-one kind of micro level. You, But you also do one-to-one, but like you're on like the macro, like you're shifting really big policy and really big, uh, big work. So I'm hoping we're both doing big work in different ways. And a lot of us, more of us are, you know, the ones that really want the true balance, not one or the other. I'm very much like, let's link arms and figure this out. We have more in common than we think. So anyway, definitely. And I think the micro and the macro have different, they come along with different feelings. I think the micro is more fulfilling because you're really seeing directly the lives that you're affecting. The macro, it's exciting in a certain way when you make progress or you're working on something really cool that could affect a lot of people. You get a little thrill out of it. That's a lot of what I'm feeling with the work I'm doing with the Workplace Psychological Safety Act right now. It's all coming together as like direct props with me. And it was after 20 years of being in a corporate executive career, this is felt like I was always trying to force that to work. Whereas this new world of mine is Mm -hmm. coming together, weaving together, even with you bringing you into the conversation of the WPSA, like there could be an awesome something that we're not thinking about, you know, like some sort of way to collaborate. Yeah. That's kind of the beauty of the internet, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably would never meet. I mean, we both are in Chicago at some point, so maybe, but. We'd be at a network and be like, hey. Anytime there's anything about women in someone's headline, I'm like a, like a moth to a flame. It's like, yes, <laughs> let's be friends. Let's do all the things. Yeah. Maybe I'd overhear you at an event calling someone an asshat. <laughs> that is completely in the realm of possibilities because that's what I do. I'll never probably call someone to their face an asshat. I will refer to a group of asshats that are doing something <laughs> yeah, for other <yeah>. humans. <laughs> It's like, stop exerting power over anyone. Who are you? I want to go to a post that you made and Mm. it's written in French, but I'm going to read it in English if that's okay. And I want to talk a little bit more about this. If you think it's obvious to file a complaint after a sexual assault, consider the case handed down by Paris police court on January 25th. Here are the facts. A rape victim goes to a police station in Paris. She lodged a first complaint. Sometime later, a police officer called him and left him a voicemail telling him to come and finish some more paperwork, except he forgets to hang up. And then he repeatedly calls her a whore and a fat whore. The court ruled that fat whore is not a sexist slur. Do you still think it's obvious to file a complaint after a sexual assault? Mm. I feel my sacred rage boiling. So Mm. talk me through this. So it was actually the police tribunal, the inner tribunal. So... I find that in a demented way encouraging because it's not the national tribunal or a local tribunal. You know, mm-hmm. if there's there's a possibility that it's just plain corruption within the police. I'm trying to think of how to approach this. There's all kinds of cultural things. I've lived in France now for seven years. There's all kinds of cultural comparisons that are always running around in my head. But one thing that always kind of strikes me about France as a society is that they don't want to admit that they have the same problems that we have in the U.S. 
Whereas in the U.S., this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem to the point where you've got a whole nother side of American society being like, stop, stop, stop throwing it in our face. But there's, there's some real problems in the police, and it's not just gendered. Another example, I don't want to get too much into the police, but another example is my husband is a racial minority, and he posted something on LinkedIn about it, and he had all kinds of people yelling at him and insulting him about, we don't have racism in France. This isn't the U.S. And after George Floyd was killed, people would put on, would spray paint things about it in, in support of that movement. And people were furious. We don't have that racism here. And then, you know, maybe five days after that post, someone posted the Paris police just beating the hell out of a homeless black man on the subway just because he was loitering. You know, so I think a lot of that is just uh, denial and proof that denial will get you nowhere. That policeman should have been punished. And as far as I can tell from the story, he was just talking to himself. He was just furious, you know, and that's terrifying to assume that the people that are supposed to protect you assume that it's your fault. But until we acknowledge that there's a problem in my opinion the french are just a step behind in that way it is really interesting working for a fortune 200 especially in the digital payments arena we were always looking to eu to see because they were so far ahead and you had mentioned earlier that eu is ahead but not in all things Mm -mm. i think that in general french society is less sexist than american society there's an acceptance that a woman's body is a body rather than just a sexual object, you know, and a woman's sexuality is her sexuality, which is very different in the U.S. You have an assumption that a woman who is anything but extremely modest is loose. You don't have that same assumption as France. You know, if a woman shows skin, it's because she, it's her body. She wants to show skin. That said, I'm finding just from comments that I'm hearing or conversations that I'm having that the young French women are pushing back and the older generation or even my generation, I'm 38, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to admit that it's happening. Also posted about consent. So there's this movie, Consent. It's a French movie and it's up for all these awards about an older male having a relationship with a younger female, like teenage or even younger. And nobody in her family, none of the colleagues, nobody, nobody deals with it right? They just assume it's normal or it seems normal and nobody takes into account the power differential. And what I'm reading is that young French women, you know, between the ages, especially of 20 and 25 are coming out of the movie sobbing because we know what that feels like. You know, if we've never been in the relationship, we have friends that have been in the relationship. We've had men pressure us. We've had men make us feel uncomfortable. We know that consent is not just in the middle of the moment saying yes or saying no. It's not even feeling unable to say no to something that started out well. It's a whole thing. When I was growing up, we had Monica Lewinsky and nobody ever thought Bill Clinton is quite literally the most powerful person in the world. And she's basically a teenager, an unpaid intern and nobody, but she's a whore, you know? So that came out, that's going on in France right now. And I commented on someone else's post the other day that because somebody else wrote about consent and I went to a gynecologist appointment. He tells me, my gynecologist tells me, and he's an obstetrician too. He delivered my youngest son. He says, 
Well, the U.S. is just so crazy with these different social movements, and he goes on this racist rant. And then he says, and this notion of consent that you guys have to a man, it's terrifying. We don't have those worries in France. In France, sexual relations between a man and a woman, they develop naturally. It's just an affectionate thing, and we don't have that problem. And I'm looking at him, and I don't even know what to say to him, right? And he's, he's talking about wokeism, you know, wokeism. And I'm like, maybe you should accept the fact that you're probably reading some pretty biased news sources and that you've never even been in the U.S. And also, just because you're reading an extreme accounting of something doesn't mean that the movement doesn't have any merit. And he's like, oh, I didn't say that. But do you, you see what I mean? Where the people being affected are clearly so affected that they're leaving the movie theater in tears. And then you have all these people, I mean, at least one, but I assume more, who don't think it exists at all. And feels comfortable telling me that. And he looks at women's vaginas all day. <laughs> the, the audacity, the blissful ignorance. And this is what I'm talking about. It's like, I've seen different segments recently that portray sexual assault. And I get very agitated. And every woman I've met, every woman I could talk to right now has had a situation that there wasn't full consent. And I'm not suggesting that everyone's been raped or sexually assaulted. I'm suggesting that it's a fact that there's been a moment where there hasn't been full express consent. And so for me personally, like when I see something, I'm that woman that gets really worked up and I start crying and I'm like, men don't realize that that's a thing and a really, really important big thing. It's the same way as when you're walking somewhere and you feel someone walking up like fast behind you. Don't do this. Do not do that to a woman. I had that happen in a grocery store. This man was like on my heels and I turned around and I was like, what's up? And he looked at me like I had five heads because he had no idea. Don't rush. Don't do that. That's not safe. I know we started with consent, but it's by and large, haven't had that, that safety that we deserve as our birthright and being our own in our own bodies. I think that the message is pushed a lot more in the U.S., by people like you and me. And, and so there's a more violent backlash against it. Mm. Um, so is that better or worse than French society where it's both are kind of hidden? Ooh. I don't know. I think that oh, having wow. it out there and getting that violent backlash means that we're a little bit closer to progress. I agree because um, we're ruffling feathers. Mm. I'd rather it be out there and be someone's like, so why don't you just not watch it? I'm like, I'm watching it because... I want to honor the women that have been in those situations more often than not throughout their lives. The two examples that come up to me, Don't Worry Darling, the movie with... Yeah. That's fucking terrifying to think that like you're living in a virtual reality and you have no idea and you didn't consent. Like that's a whole nother level. I was triggered that entire movie. Holy shit. I was triggered so hard. And then uh, Lessons in Chemistry. It's not like I don't want to watch or see these things. I want to see these things. I want to learn. I want to learn about the history. I want to learn about different experiences. And at the same time, more than one thing can be true. I can be triggered by it and I want to keep watching. But like I had to push pause a lot and just cry and then be like, okay, let's keep going. But privileged white men don't have to think about those things. This is all kind of new to them. And I don't fault them. It's like, you just never had to think about it. So this is good that like we're explaining it Not that we should have to teach it, but having the space to be like, I understand that your experience was different than mine. So let me share 
you know, what this, what we're talking about. So, I mean, good for you. You're a bigger person than I am. I just get pissed. I'm like, how <laughs> dare you give me an opinion about something that has no effect on you? I, you know, I think your approach is better because maybe you're changing minds, whereas I'm just making enemies. <laughs> you oh, know, I just stared at each other awkwardly for 30 seconds. I'm not looking away. You know, we so. both of us. We need both of us because, and I don't always have that much grace. It depends on who you are and, and how you're coming, like what the energy you're coming to me with. If mm. it's the curiosity or if it's like a daft ignorance, <laughs> I might have, <laughs> I might have more of grace to be like, hmm mind telling me where that comes from or like what was where do you get that from and then we'll go from there depending on how they're how open they are but I used to be that in your face raging and a few men that I really trust and are in like my inner circle were like it doesn't feel safe when you do that and I was like well one I'm not responsible for your safety but also I hear you (laughs) I hear you for where you're coming from and uh, I know that my place in this space and time is to lead with as much grace and love that I can and hold my vibration high so that I can impart or plant seeds. I'm not quite there where I'm like wanting to give safe space to like the biggest offenders who you also post about sometimes that we, we maybe won't go down this, this time, but um, did you call him boy genius? It was just amazing. <laughs> I guess I don't rage against them, but I just make people uncomfortable, which it really doesn't make any progress either. Well, is that true though? Like if you make them uncomfortable, but like you're not raging, like you're not bringing your emotion into it, but you'll like stare them down. They might be getting the message. I think that they won't bring it up again to a woman, but I don't know that they'll change their mind. The guy who came in and, and changed our boiler was like, okay, can we call your husband so I can tell him how it works? And I said, why? Because you don't think I'll understand it? And he's like, uh, 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 uh. so he probably won't say that to next woman at home, but he probably will also think that women are still stupid. <laughs> He'll probably also be like that camp where it's like, everyone's so sensitive. That's not true. Like mm-hmm. there's a generation that, I mean, it's primarily boomers, but like there's, they're saying like, everyone's so sensitive these days. I'm like, is that true? Or is it the fact that they've always been uncomfortable and they've been more worried about your comfort? Right. And they're like, sacrificing their own comfort to to be able to make you feel better that's a perfect example it reminds me of like when people ask me if I'm pregnant and I'll just say I'm like no I'm just fat <laughs> and then like that's a whole what do they do that? I don't, and, like, they're horrified <laughs> and I'm like I'm just fat I'm a big girl like <laughs> so it's similar you know like we when we we're like stoic faced and we're like no just like saying the truth I do the same thing when someone will bypass me to get to my husband and my husband's turning 10 shades of red because he's like, oh gosh, she's going to say something. So we've talked a lot about who gets what you're saying and who doesn't get what you're saying and how you handle those. But is there, is there anything else that you would share as you're looking toward the Illinois bar and you're looking toward all the work that you're doing in, in Paris? How do you navigate conversations with someone who both gets it, but also who doesn't get it. Like I get a sense from what our conversation's been like, but do you want to go a little bit further there? What do those conversations look like? How do you mean gets it, but doesn't get it? So someone like me who like you and I could talk for hours about things that we're doing and like, we just understand each other and it's awesome. Somebody who you're either trying to, who is like daftly ignorant, like your doctor or the person who came to change the boiler. 
you'll say things back, but do you ever go the further distance where it's like, do you know why that's not okay? Like, do you want to understand that? Do I you don't. ever go the no, I don't. And so I'm glad that you're bringing it up and that we've talked about it because it makes me realize the importance of doing that. It's constant it, because maybe my standard for not being sexist is different than everybody else's standard. And especially living abroad, most of my friends are expats, meaning non-French, but I do have French friends and everybody's got different cultural standards. And I have friends that are from certain countries where they are very they accept just as a given what the gender roles are. And a woman shouldn't have that kind of career. And I'm like, don't tell me what kind of career I can and cannot have. You, If you want to keep yourself back, you know, go ahead, but don't rub me into that. But no, you're right. Even we were, uh, I had an American friend here and she hosted a Thanksgiving. And I was giving her husband shit because he was pouring the champagne wrong. And I said, Max, you are the worst bartender I've ever seen in my life. And he's very laid back. And he was like, mm-hmm, you know, and just kind of looked at me. And then so this guy that's sitting next to me that she had placed me next to thinks he is God's gift to humanity. So I did the same thing to him. And I, I said uh, pretty much the same thing. And then my husband poured it correctly. And I was like, see, that's how you pour it correctly. And he was like, oh, I get it. Like your husband does it right and made a sexual comment, which I thought was funny. And then he goes to my husband about me while he's sitting next to me. Well, I'm sure you're used to hearing that nagging voice in your ear anyways. And I just didn't say anything because I didn't want to get into it. But you're right. There's another option. The other option is to say, do you know why that's not okay to say? Why do you think it's appropriate to tell my husband that? Yeah. While you're sitting next to me as if I'm not here. You're not even supposed to do that to children. (laughs) No. And believe me, Jacqueline, there's not always, I don't always get that, that right. I just try to take a moment to say, okay. I'm aware of what I could say, but also I'm, I'm aware of what I could say. And I'm aware of like, all of this goes on in my head real time. It's like, is this a person that's going to be in my long term? <laughs> yes or no. And then like, that will dictate how I kind of respond, but also trying to share. You're being a twat waffle. And do you want to understand, do you want to hear why? <laughs> and, and we'll go from there based on what they say. Men that I do care about in my life. They're like, can you let me finish and just share my thoughts or my, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And in the, and like, that's how I've learned to be a little bit more open to first letting them finish what they're going to say. Cause I usually cut them off and I backlash immediately. So I'm like, okay, let me give a minute. You know? Yeah. I have a lot of men in my life. I have two sons. I have two brothers, my dad, my uncles, my husband, and they're not, none of them have a sexist bone in their body. So I've never had to have a conversation with someone that I really care about and be like, this is really upsetting to me. Except for one, one, actually. I remember this conversation. Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice, was up to be elected and he was accused of sexual assault. Someone in my life was like, that's bullshit. You know, like she comes back 20, 30 years later as he's going up the Supreme Court. And I said, do you, do you know what it's like to be a woman? Do you know, I mean, you know me, right? And you know that I am A, paranoid and B, kind of a bitch. But I have experienced those things. So if I've experienced those things and I'm very prickly, then every woman you know has experienced those things. Every woman you know has been sexually assaulted, has been touched a way she didn't like, has felt 
unable to say no to that touch, has been in a sexual experience where she was in control, and all of a sudden she's not in control. Every single woman you know. And I, I think it really affected him, but we have a mutual respect and love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds familiar to what I have as well. And the, the other reality is that if you're not willing, like if you were to combat me on what you just said, we're probably not going to be in tight circle any longer. Yeah. So it's just too upsetting for someone not to believe you. No, absolutely not. So, oh, Jacqueline, this has been amazing. Where do we find you? So mostly on LinkedIn. So you'll find my full name, Jacqueline Fortini Ling. And hopefully soon you'll find me in Chicago and Paris. I can't wait to, if you need marketing assistance, I'm happy to do that from my 20 years experience. You do some, some work still there, especially for a business like yours. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to have it come here and just build that community around each year. What does gender equality and women's rights look like year over year? Uh, I'm excited to see it keep growing. Yeah. Closing remarks as we wind down. As a women's rights advocate, it's important to keep your eye on the ball. And that's what I'm aiming to do. Keep picking up amazing people like yourself and keep just putting down things that don't matter. Different Mm -hmm. sects of feminism that I don't believe in that are bigoty, I think. People that don't want to hear that there's an equality different. I'm just keeping my eye on the ball. And I think really that's key for anybody. Thanks, Jacqueline. Yeah, no problem.